Now, this morning, during the announcements, I used a Greek word. You might have just thought I was mispronouncing something, but there's a Greek word called rhema, R-H-E-M-A. The E is an A sound, rhema. It's actually the hometown of, of Samuel the prophet. But it's also a Greek word. The word word, and I don't want to be tedious with Greek, and I don't want to pretend to know something, but this is a teaching that I've lived with for many, many years. But all through the New Testament, there's a word word. And, and uh, different times it's used different ways. And uh, when it's what the Lord has said in the past, it's called a logos, L-O-G-O-S. When it's God speaking directly to us, it's called a rhema. For example, when it tells us to put on the whole armor of God, it says that the sword of the spirit is the rhema of God. So that means that when you're in a battle, you're going through a difficult time, you're under pressure, and you get a prophetic word, or you hear a sermon that speaks to you, or the Lord speaks to your heart directly, and it's him speaking now, him speaking in your present tense. That's a rhema. That's God speaking. And that, that can act like a sword to stop the devil. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he says, wage war with the prophecies that were given to you. So when we have a prophet come in, <clears throat> or we have prophetic moments, even during our prayer time, that's not just for fun. That's not just for our personal entertainment. Now you've got something to hang on to. You've got something to, to wage war because there's a war going on. And the enemy, the war for your heart is happening in your head. And to stop that, to, to stand against that, you take what God has been speaking to you. And sometimes it comes in the moment. Sometimes it's something he's promised a long time ago. Last year at camp meeting, the, we had three sisters uh, who came and they ministered. And one of the night meetings last night, they prophesied over Heather and I. Well, I just happened to find that again this week, and I'm going through a battle. I can't tell you how life-giving that was for me to hear that again, and to take, and I felt I got something to hang on to. I got something I can grasp to stand up and say, no, we're not going to just let this wash over me. I'm not going to, we need a rhema sometimes in a battle. We need a word from the Lord. When Jesus was in the wilderness, and the devil was there, what we read about in, in Matthew 4 are the four big guns or three big guns that the enemy lobbed at him near the end of a 40-day battle, 40-day nonstop battle. He's fasting. He's going without water. He's, going, he's in the wilderness. I've been to some of that wilderness area. It is hot. I mean, it is barren. And he's there fighting. But there's this moment where we get a glimpse, and I think he must have told the story around some campfire told his disciples what happened. He described the battle, how the enemy would come and speak to him, and, and he'd say, but it is written. And I don't think that was just Sunday school memory verses that he's bringing to mind. I think it's what the Holy Spirit brought in the moment that gave him a sword to stop. And watch, every time he said it is written, the devil stopped, stopped him cold. By the third time, it said the enemy left him, looked for another occasion when he might tempt him. 
But the enemy is all over us sometimes. He does not want us to succeed. He does not want us to go forward. He does not want us to have the victory. Having a word from the Lord can change the battle. Having a word that he puts in your heart, having a word that he has spoken to you in the past, having a, a sermon that is life-giving, all of it, anything that God is saying. Uh, I, I know this is true of the other pastors who preach here as well. We don't just preach what we make up where we think, oh, that would be a nifty thing to preach, or that's kind of in my schedule of things I like to preach. I, we wait on the Lord. I don't think I've ever stood in this pulpit without knowing that, that the Lord had given me a word earlier in the week that this is what our people need. And so there's a sense that a rhema is, is what happens Sunday by Sunday. That's why I think what Jesus says, he says, listen to what the Spirit is saying. He's writing to these churches. I don't say that because everything I say is a rhema. It's not. But there's rhema moments. And there's rhema that we need as nutrition and there's Raymond that we need to help us in the battle. And I've had people come up to me Sunday after Sunday and say, that's exactly what I needed. When you said that, that, that was something that I needed to hear in that moment. Well, that's a rhema to you. What I did is I took a Logos, which is the Bible. I took the Logos, what God had said, and it came alive by the Spirit. And when it goes to your heart, if it inspires you, if it moves you, if it tips the battle in your favor... That you've just heard from God. Not, not just because Penn's saying it. We need a rhema. We need to put ourselves in a place where the rhema can impact our life. Now, here's the reason why. This is what I wanted to get to. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. We've been in Romans a lot these days. Romans chapter 10. And again, I'm just cutting in the middle of a thought. I can't develop the whole background. But look at verse 17. He says, so then faith comes by hearing. Back then, most people, when they wanted to get anything from God, they went to synagogue. They didn't own their own Bibles. Jesus didn't have his own Bibles. The disciples didn't have their own Bibles. If you wanted to hear what the Spirit was saying, you wanted to hear something from Scripture, you went to a synagogue. So they heard it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And the word, word there, the Greek word for that word, is rhema. So he's talking about a personal word, a specific word, a current word, a living and active word. Faith comes by hearing. The faith, the confidence that you need to take, to keep moving, the, the confidence that you need in the battle comes by hearing and hearing by the, what God is saying to you directly to your heart. We need a rhema. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. The only thing that really sustains me, that keeps me going, is I need to hear from God regularly. I need daily bread. I need him. I need to know he's speaking. I need to place myself where God can speak to me. I open my Bible morning by morning, looking for him to speak to me, taking something that he has said, a logos, and making it come alive, quickening it to my heart. When that happens, it changes my day. It changes my walk. It changes how I do battle. It changes how I win the war. 
It tips everything in the scales in my favor. Faith comes by hearing. Faith, the faith that you need to walk this thing out, because the righteous, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. The only way we can go any further, I see people, I see people without faith, and it wrecks their marriage. It's hard, hard to win the battles. It wrecks uh, their businesses because they're not living by faith. They're doing it all out of their head. Faith comes. There is a faith that comes that's beyond your normal faith. We all have faith that grows like a seed. We all have faith. Uh, Nelson said that we all, from the time we're children, we have this belief in God and a belief that we're the children of God. Well, even that faith comes. I heard an interview with Putin in Russia, and they said, you seem to all of a sudden to believe in God. He was the head of the KGB. He said, everybody's born with a belief in God. And you get talked out of it. And he said, yes, I've come back to that. And so I think everybody, even the people who are the, he said, there are pe- he went on to say that there are people who are atheistic, that they've been, they've, they've been persuaded to go that way. He said, but that's not how it begins. We all believe. But then there's a faith that's beyond that belief that you need to win the war or to, or to accomplish something or to expand your business or to uh, fight battles for your kids. You need a faith beyond your faith. Faith beyond natural, normal faith. How many are interested in that kind of faith? Well, it comes. I don't walk around with muscle-bound faith. But every now and again, there's a faith beyond my faith that allows me to believe. And it comes when I hear from the Lord. And that faith, that confidence sustains me. I need to hear from the Lord. Don't you? Faith comes. Let me give you an example of this. And you've heard this story so many times. Uh, it's, it's often preached. But Jesus was walking on the water, and the disciples were in the boat, and they're in the middle of a storm, and Jesus is out walking on the water, which is a really an amazing picture. And they thought, they first of all, they believed it was a ghost. They screamed their heads off. And Jesus spoke to them and said, It is I. He spoke truth to calm down their fears. Be of good cheer. It is I. Peter said, and I don't know what made him say this. What a crazy thing to say. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me or bid me to come and walk on the water to you. And Jesus said, come. And that word, one word from the heart of Jesus was filled with faith. Faith comes. That word came across the waves, come through the wind, hit him in the solar plexus, impacted him in such a way that he threw his big hairy thigh over the gunwale of that that ship and slid down on turbulent, rough water and began walking. And people always make fun of him faltering and failing as if they never do. We always do. But listen, the guy's walking on water. This guy's walking on water. He's doing what Jesus did, not because he had natural faith, not because his everyday faith allowed him to do that. That word come was loaded with supernatural faith for the moment. Doesn't mean that he went walking on water every time, every time he felt like it. It was something that came from the heart of Jesus in the moment. And this translates to our everyday life. We need to hear from Jesus. And when he speaks to you, it'll sustain you, it'll, it'll, 
enable you to go the distance. It'll change your perspective. It'll change the war. One word, one word from his lips changes everything. I've found that to be true so many, so many times. You can't just take a Bible verse and, and stand on it quite the same way and expect it to have the same power. It just doesn't work that way. We want to take Bible verses. We want to look for promises, but we need quickened promises that apply to us. In South Korea, back in the 70s, maybe even began before that, but I remember it in the 70s, there was a, a tremendous revival. South Korea had been at war. There had been a long-standing war in the whole uh, Korean Peninsula. And after that turbulent time, revival came to South Korea, primarily through one man named uh, Paul Yonggi Cho. He wasn't, he wasn't the only one, but he was the leader of, of the movement, tremendous prayer movement. They'd go across to this mountain, and they would pray for days. They forgot that they had bodies. They didn't eat. They just were so focused on prayer. It was a prayer movement that really changed the world. It was a great impact. People from all over the world, a guy in Buffalo I knew, he went there many, many times. He would go there to get in on this prayer meeting on a mountain in caves where there's thousands of people, young people especially, who couldn't stop praying. And the leader of that was this woman who was mildly used of God in her teaching, in her prophetic ministry, her prayer ministry. She was awesome, amazing person. Well, there were some young girls, some young people, who wanted to get across to Prayer Mountain, but the season of flooding was on, and, and the rivers were swollen, and they were turbulent, and they were, going, they were rushing by, and they, they couldn't get to Prayer Mountain because of the river. And this is what they said among themselves. They said, Peter's God is our God. Peter's faith is our faith. Peter walked on water. The Bible says Peter walked on water. Let's walk on water, and we'll walk across the Prayer Mountain. And they locked arms, and they stepped out into the current. And three days later, they found their bodies in the ocean. They drown. The headlines in the newspaper, big block type, children's God fails them. And it was a national tragedy, travesty, or tragedy. Big news. If you can imagine the spotlight on your church, and, and the, the church teaches the people to trust God in radical ways, and now look what's happened. Can you imagine... Imagine how awful that would be to, to have to deal with that. Not just the loss of these beautiful young people who are on fire. And it wouldn't go away. Every day there's a new headline. The pastor, he was struggling with the loss of his, uh, some of his sheep, but struggling also to find out what happened. What, how could this happen? And he did what he should do is he laid before the Lord and after, after several days of laying before the Lord, the Lord spoke to him. And very simply said, I told, I bid Peter to come. I didn't bid them to come. They took what my word said, but it wasn't what I was saying. 
and it was Jesus who was teaching Paul Yonggi Cho. He said, there's a difference between what I said and what I'm saying. And he began to show him as he, he got up from his, the floor and he began opening his Bible. And he saw the Greek word for logos, which is what God has said. And he noticed also there's a Greek word for what God is saying specifically in the moment, personally. And he noticed it was a different Greek word. It was the word rhema. No one was teaching this before. This wasn't common. And he began to teach the difference between having a word from God and having a word from God. Having a, having, it's wonderful to have a Bible verse. Bible is for precedent. The Bible is to give us direction. The Bible is to show us how to, how to navigate this whole thing. But when you're in a crisis, when you're in a difficulty, or when you need to step out, you need a word from the Lord. That contains faith that allow you to do the impossible. It'll, it'll allow you to, to go the distance. It'll allow you to bring heaven to earth. It'll allow you to bring uh, the will of God about. It's a powerful, powerful tool that God uses. And I, and I want us to be versed in this. I want us to understand how it works. Prophecy, we, we're not just bringing prophecy about for entertainment. It, it's so that you have something to work with. You have something to stand with. You have something to sustain you. Faith comes by when we hear prophecy or there's a quickened verse or there's a sermon or there's promises that God has made alive to us. Now, if we go to 1 John, why don't we turn there? 1 John. Chapter 5. Uh-oh. I think, oh, here we go. Sometimes I, when I rewrite my notes, I get them wrong. Chapter 5. Well, verses 14 and 15. Yeah, I, I got it right. First John chapter 5. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence. That's the word faith. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The moment you start praying the will of God, you have to picture him sitting on his throne. And all of a sudden, he cocks his ear your way. You've got his attention. With all the busyness of heaven and all the people who are praying, he, he tilts his head your way. And he's listening. We have confidence that if we pray anything according to his will... We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, verse 15, and we know that uh, and we know that he hears, hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If he hears us, we know that he'll actually do the very thing that we're asking. None of us like prayer just for the sake of praying. We want results. We want change to happen. We want, we want circumstances to change. If you're praying what he wants and what he would will and what's in his heart, he will hear you. And if he hears you, we have that assurance. Old timers, when I was a young Christian, I got around these old timers, and they said, uh, have you prayed through? And that phrase stuck with me. And the, the, they would say, I prayed through on that. <clears throat> And what it was was this, is they would pray, and then they would have a knowing 
that God heard them. They had a knowing the prayer was answered. And they had a confidence that the prayer was answered before they saw the results. They said, I, I prayed through. I prayed until I had a knowing. And then that knowing gives you the confidence to stand even if things get worse. Even if things look impossible. They said, I prayed through. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we're praying and praying and praying, but we're not waiting for that assurance. That assurance is everything. When you have a rhema, you've been praying, and the Lord witnesses to you that what you're praying, he's, he's given it to you. I remember praying one of my first prayers, big prayers that I was ever, uh, that I was praying that I saw a major answer to prayer. I was a brand new Christian. We needed a car. I'd stopped smoking, but my car was still smoking. And my car quit one day, and it was, that was the end of it. And so now my pregnant wife is walking to work, and I'm believing God for a new car. And I prayed this prayer and I prayed, I found the Bible verse. Nothing wrong with that. We want you to do that. I found the Bible verse, and I prayed in the Spirit. Then I heard the Lord said, I've heard you, and I will answer you, and I'll give you what you're asking for. And that sustained me for the season. There's always a gap between what you're believing for and when it finally comes. And I could go on the knowing that I prayed right, that, I, that he heard me. And then when the, finally, someday, that they actually came, someone actually put a gob of keys in my hands to a car. It was anticlimactic in the sense I didn't jump, I didn't, I didn't hoot and holler, because I'd been living with the knowing of that car was in my possession long before I had the keys in my hand. And that happens to me many times, but by the time I've lived with the knowing of it so long that finally when the prayer actually comes about, it's, it's, not a big, it's not as big a deal because I've already been acting according to my faith. I've already been rejoicing. I've been grateful. I've been expressing my heart gratitude because I have a knowing. That knowing is everything, especially when you're going through a really hard time like Liz is. I want you to, I want you to know there's a difference between what God's word says and what he's saying to us. I want that to sustain your heart. I want this knowing that you've prayed and your prayers have been answered. Then you can say, I, I have an assurance. I have a confidence. We can assure our hearts before him that say, I've prayed the will of God. I prayed what he would pray, the way he would pray it, for the reasons he would pray it. And it has sustained me. Happen to be reading, doing my devotions this week, and I happen to be, I, I'm into David these days, reading about David. And David's an old man, and one of his sons present, pre pronounced himself king. He hired a bunch of guys who run ahead of him and trumpeters to declare him as king. And he had this big feast down by a waterfall, and he's having this feast, and he's now saying that he, but David never ordered it. David never said this. In fact, what David had said, now he's on his deathbed, and what David had said is Solomon was going to be the king after him. And Solomon's mom, Bathsheba, had this promise in her heart. And she realized that if, if I don't say something, if I don't do something, 
this, this king, this other son is going to be king, and he's going to kill me and my children. He's going to kill all of us because we're a threat. And so this moment came where she actually went before David, and David's weak. He's a very, very old man. He's on his deathbed. And she goes in, and he says, what is it that you want? He's a king. He said, what is it that you want? And she said, you promised that Solomon would sit on the throne. And another one of your sons has taken the throne. And if this lit is allowed to continue, he'll kill all of us. Solomon called in his leadership and said, set this emotion today. Put him on my mule. Take him down to the other waterfall. Crown him king. Have a coronation. This is to happen now. But the whole thing that amazes me is Bathsheba went on the strength of a promise. And it not only sustained her and kept her and brought about peace for her and for Solomon and for the people of Israel. Brought about God's will. Somebody has to bring about God's will. Somebody has to bring the will of God. The will of God's in heaven, but how do you get it from heaven into your circumstance? Somebody has to believe. Someone has to proclaim. Someone has to stand. Someone has to wrestle. And she did that for hers and for, the, for her son and for the nation. And it changed everything. What are you standing on? What promise do you have? What promise are you going with? Have you sorted through old prophecies and said, that's what the Lord spoke to my heart. I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to stand until it happens. What are you standing on these days? What helps you in this race? What helps you win the battle? What helps you to become what you've always wanted to become? If you just coast along, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, nothing will happen. Your life will be flatlined. Your life will be boring. Your Christianity will be boring. You'll come to nothing. All the things you've had longed for, they won't happen. Somebody has to fight for it. Someone has to fight for the will of God. Someone has to take a promise. This is what God has said. It must happen. It will happen because he said it. I'm fighting, for, I'm fighting for people's lives these days. But the thing that makes all the difference is being able to reach into us and get a hold of the, the sword of the Spirit and stand and say, this is what will happen. Not what I see, not what I feel, not what circumstances says, but it's what God says. What are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? Somebody has to. Let's stand together. If we pray now, asking the Lord to speak to us, think of a couple situations you're facing, a couple situations that won't go away, a couple situations you have to win. Why don't you start with this and say, Lord, I don't want you to change the circumstance. I don't want you to make it go away. Instead, I'm asking for your word. I'm willing to fight for this. I want it so bad I'm willing to fight.
Lord, I'm asking that you sustain my heart with your word. I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. You're a God who speaks. You're a God who knows. You know me. You know what I'm going through. Speak to me. Speak to me. Do you have faith for that? Speak to me. Ask him to speak to you. Church becomes a different meeting when you go expecting that somewhere in the meeting there's a rhema for you. Somewhere in the meeting. It could be in a song. could be in a prophecy. could be in the prayer time. It could be in a sermon. It could be some, something that before you leave the door, somebody, a word is going to come that is, is what you need for now. Ask for it. Believe for it. Say, Lord, take my faith to another level in that area. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word, both Logos and Rhema. We're so grateful for both. Without the Logos, there would be no Rhema. Lord, we're so grateful for both of them. We love the Bible. We love, we love reading about you and your ways and your acts. But, Lord, we know you're a God who's alive, you're current, you're my Father, you're ever-present. You know me, and you know what I'm going through. Lord, sustain my heart, strengthen my faith. Give me faith beyond my faith, I pray. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot. We think it's because we have to be such good hearers. Actually... It's not dependent on how good you can hear. It's dependent on how good he speaks. He can speak to you. He can get it across to you. I pray that many times. Say, Lord, get it across to me. Amen.